Several years ago, my wife and I lived in a rented house on the edge of the woods, and there were lots of little critters around our, our house in the woods and in the field around our house. And there was one particular night that my wife and I were so excited because we found a babysitter who was 16 who could drive, and so we went out on a date, and uh, we came back. And we, we came back, the house was just really quiet, and we didn't hear any movement, any stirring, so we were kind of like, all right, kids are in bed, the babysitter did a great job, got them down, and, and, but then there was kind of this thought of, where's the babysitter? And uh, we kind of walked into the house and said, you know, said the girl's name, hello, are you, are you here? And, and we heard this little voice, I'm here, I'm in the living room. And we walked into the living room, and there she was on the couch, and she was just frozen. She was paralyzed, and her eyes were all big, and she was just staring at the floor. And it was kind of like, okay, what happened here? Some, something's not right. She, she's, she flipped out. Is she, you know, are the kids okay? So but anyway, we, we look at the carpet a little closer, and there's this great big spider. I mean, just, you know, big hairy legs sitting there on the carpet. And she had been sitting there for like the past 45 minutes just paralyzed because she was deathly afraid of spiders. And so, you know, get the paper towel, go in there, squish the spider, and then, and then she's okay. And she, she can get up and she can move around. And, but she was just paralyzed. And sometimes, like the skit that we showed, there are fears that can paralyze us. Now... Some of you might remember, uh, maybe when you were a child, or maybe some of you with children, if you remember, you know, the little, little voice, Mommy, Daddy, I'm scared. Hearing that little voice. Those are words I remember saying as a little kid, and I, remember, I, I, I still hear them from my kids now, every once in a while. There are words uh, that describe kid fears, kid fears. But something, you know, goes bump in the night, there's a bad dream, or it's maybe just being afraid of the dark. But we grow up, and a lot of those kid fears fade away. And then there are grown-up fears that begin to take their place. And in most situations, I'm not a fear-first person. I'm more just of a, I get angry first. But, um, and so I've always said that a lot. Well, I don't, you know, I don't get scared. I'm just usually more angry. But as I've gotten older... I think maybe some of that is just from being young, being ignorant, and thinking I'm indestructible and in control. And so, as I've gotten older, gained a little more information about our world, how crazy it is, and realized that I'm not in so, so much control, there have been some adult-sized fears that have crept into my heart and into my mind. You know, I was never... Before I was married, before we had children, I was never scared about losing my life. You know, I was a Christian. Uh, I had my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I knew if I die, I'm going to heaven. No big deal. Had no fear about that. But after I had children, I began imagining my children's lives without a daddy. And that scared me. That's an adult-sized fear. Kid fears go another fear replaces how many of you have been through an airport lately? A lot has changed. I, I was never afraid of flying before. Then 9-11 happened. Everything changed. 
Got to go through all this security. They're, they're searching my bags for all kinds of things. And they're dogs. There's, there's all these patrol people and security people. And, and I, I, now I have those thoughts. Could this be the last time I'm on a flight? Could this plane go down? You know, things change. Things change for us as we get older. Adult fears creep in sometimes. You know, there are fears, I think, that work for our benefit. You know, uh, a healthy fear of things that can physically wound or fatally harm me is a good thing. You know, I'm careful using sharp tools and, and electric saws or knives because I have a healthy fear of chopping off fingers and limbs. And that's a good thing. You know, I'm alert and cautious when I'm driving because I have a healthy fear of car wrecks. Now, that healthy fear doesn't stop me from using tools or from driving a car. It doesn't paralyze me. Now, there, there's a, a reality show on TV that my kids love to watch, and they beg me to watch it, but I don't really care for it. And it's a show called Fear Factor. Yeah, I don't know if some of you have seen that. It's where people are challenged for way too little money uh, to, do things, to do things we naturally fear. My kids love it because they usually have challenges involving bugs, spiders, uh, heights, or closed spaces. And uh, this is the kind of scared that, that is uh, maybe easy for us to identify and talk about. I mean, there are things that a good number of people are scared of. They are fears that maybe inca incapacitate us, paralyze us, but we don't usually encounter them in our everyday life. So the things we're not normally we, we think about or have to run into. They're what we call phobias. Uh, it comes from the Greek word phobos. But there's a whole set of fears that are totally different. Things that scare us that are not so easy for us to identify, but they're very real. It's the kind of fear the scriptures say that, that, that's bad. Sometimes when the word phobos is used in the scripture, it's describing the natural shrinking from some difficult task. Now, there's nothing bad with having that feeling of when there's a difficult task and you're like, ooh, I really don't want to do that. Ooh, that's not bad, but and it's nothing to be ashamed of. But this phobos or fear becomes bad when it stops a person from doing what needs to be done or facing what needs to be faced. That's when it becomes bad. It's when it paralyzes. It's a fear that incapacitates us. Sometimes it's the fear of failure. Failing in relationships, letting people down. Man, I'm really scared. I'm just, people are going to get to know me and, and know that I can't always carry out things and I, I can't do it all and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let somebody down. Actually, what's going to happen? There's uh, the fears of um, failing financially. Starting a new business, it's a scary thing. A new venture, there is that risk. 50, almost 50%, or I think it's probably more, businesses started in the States, they fail within a year. There's uh, the fear of uh, failing in relationships. Fear of failing um, academically. I remember a kid uh, in my high school, Les, Les Nesman. And, uh, wait a minute, that's from WKRP. Less, it was less more. He had a funny name. We all made fun of it, less more. But anyway, um, do you get it now, less more? Yeah. 
Um, anyway, last he had parents that would reward him with these extravagant gifts if he would get all A's. But I remember he was terrified the day I remember in class, it was in our Algebra 2 class, and he got a B. And he was just, he was about to cry. I mean, this is an athlete, successful kid, had it all together. Everybody thought he was so cool. And he was about to break down in class because he was going to go home and bring a B on his report card. Fear of failing academically. Some great pressures there. There are fears of being abandoned. There's the fear of the future. Fear of being out of control. There's the fear of being alone. There's the fear of rejection from peers, from rejection from family, friends, co-workers, rejection from employers. There's the fear of dying and the fear of disappointing God. That's, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about when I ask the question, where's God when I'm scared? Where is he? And I just, I just want to cut to the punchline. I don't want to drag this out. just want to say, here's the answer. He's there with you. He's there with you when you're scared. Let me show you from Scripture some of the places where there were people that were scared. And where was God when they were scared? This is what he said. Moses gets scared about going back to Egypt and he starts shrinking back. What does God say to him? I will be with you. Exodus 3.12 Joshua, a brilliant and strong military leader, a warrior, has to follow the great leader Moses and is feeling inadequate and scared about leading a tough group of people. What does God say to him? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9 Gideon, who was just a farmer, grew vineyard, grapes, and, and uh, crops. When he was told that he was supposed to lead an army to help rescue the country, he's scared because he hasn't seen the God who did the miracles of old back in Moses' day. And he tells God that. And what does God say? God says, I will be with you. Judges 6.16. David is compelled to go down into the valley to fight Goliath on behalf of his countrymen. And as he walks down into the valley all by himself, no one walking with him, a young boy, he doesn't need God to tell him this because we can know and hear the words of faith coming from his heart that he penned later in the 23rd Psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 23, 4. When the Apostle Paul was in Macedonia and had some people opposing him and threatening him because of the message of Christ, what did the Lord say to Paul? Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. Acts 18, 9 and 10. When the disciples of Jesus are given the daunting task of going into all the world as his ambassadors, he reassures them with these words, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. Where was God when these people were scared? He was with them. Where is God when you are scared? He's with you. When you have put your faith and trust in Christ, He is with you. So what if you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ? Where's God then? Well, let me tell you what the Scriptures say. It's still a very hopeful answer. And I want you to know it if you're in that place. 
From one man, this is from Acts 17, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. When you're scared, where is God when you haven't put your trust in him yet? He's not far. He's not far from each one of you. The problem with fear is that it drives out faith. It's that whole science project you did maybe back in eighth grade or freshman year where you, you have this little beaker and, it's, and your, your teacher says it's filled with gas and, and, and it's just air. You know, it's not anything toxic or anything. And he says, okay, pour the water into the beaker and watch what happens. And, and you're kind of going, what? And you put the water into the beaker and the water rises up and he says, See, the water is pushing out the gas, pushing out the air. Displacement. And that's what happens when fear comes. Fear displaces faith. It's like they're opposites. They just push on each other. But the same thing is true. When faith moves in, it displaces fear. You, know, you, see, you see this in the case of David and other heroes of the faith. They were full of faith. Here's what David said about his fear and what he wrote in a repeating course in Psalm 56. He said, When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? What did he say he'd do? He'd trust in God. He would put faith in him. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. But here's the question. How did David and others find faith the trust that God was with them, so much so that their faith drove out and displaced fear. How did they do that? When you talk with people who have dealt with being abandoned by parents, rejected by people that should hold you dear and cherish you, it's a real struggle to find trust in God, to try and find faith in Him in moments of fear, to find faith in one who says, I will be with you. How do you do that? How do you have that kind of faith? Well, the Lord knows this. knows this. And He's given us something. It's a cure. It's a cure for this that can drive out fear. Fear can squash out faith. But what squashes out fear so that you can have faith? You know what it is? It's love. The Scriptures teach about love in this way. 1 John 4.18 there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has nothing to do with punishment. The man who fears is not made perfect in love. Perfect love drives out fear. You know, the Lord ultimately demonstrated His love for us on the cross, and that is where we can find perfect love that can drive away all our fears, including the fear of dying, the fear of death. But the Lord knows we're like sheep, and we, we forget. We're so helpless sometimes. We're forgetful. We're not so smart. We need to be reassured of His love and His presence with us. Jesus called Himself the Good Shepherd, and He called us His sheep. I don't know if that's really a compliment, but I think He was trying to demonstrate the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. And here's a bit of what Jesus would have meant about being a good shepherd to a sheep. And this is found in Ezekiel. 
a description of a good shepherd. For I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. Ezekiel 34, 11 through 15. There's a whole lot more that could be said about this description of a good shepherd from Ezekiel. There's a whole lot more that we could look at in John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. But here's the basic idea that I want to share with you. Jesus' love is the kind that is like a shepherd taking care of his sheep, is a, is a protective, it is a calming, it's a provisional and directional love. This shepherd love is most distinct, distinctively marked in this way. It is a love that is manifested by his presence. A good shepherd is with his sheep. He's with them. The sheep have nothing to fear when they're with him and he is with them. There have been moments in my home when one of our children have been scared to the point of no amount of reasoning would help them calm down. Nothing. No reasoning, no words, no sentences, nothing would calm down. No amount of facts that said there is nothing in your closet or nothing underneath your bed that would satisfy them. The only thing that would satisfy and give them peace, drive out fear, was mom and dad's love manifested by our presence, saying, I will stay with you. Don't be scared. I'm right here. I'll be with you. I'm just going to lay down here right beside you. That was the only thing that would work. You don't have to be afraid because I am here. God knows we're just like children. And so many times in the Bible, you'll see God not trying to reason with his people, not trying to reason with his scared children, but instead just saying, take courage. I am with you. I'm with you. I'm going to be there with you. I'm not going to leave you. My presence is there. His perfect love drives out fear. If we could know, there's a whole lot of people that just don't know that God is a loving God. There's a lot of people in this world that are scared to death of Him. I know that there's a right and a holy fear, which I, I, I interpret more as an awe, an awe of that He's so big and awesome and He can do anything. He could squash me. He could squish me. But I also know that God is a God who loves me and cares for me. And he's demonstrated that over and over and over. But there are people in this world who have never, never seen that demonstrated in their lives because there's been no people around them to demonstrate that kind of love. And they've never heard what's in here in the Scriptures and the love that was demonstrated on the cross. But I truly believe if people could understand that, that God loves them and that he loves them with a perfect love that can drive out fear. That without fear, faith can flourish. Faith can flourish. Therefore, love feeds faith and nurtures trust that God is with you. 
even in the scary moments of life. So my question for you today is this. Do you know, have you experienced the perfect love of Jesus in your life? Do you have faith in Him that allows you to trust when He says, I am with you? Or has fear paralyzed you, driving out any kind of trust, driving out any kind of faith? I want you to know that the cure is love. If there are fears in your life that paralyze you, you need to know more about God, more about His Son, Jesus Christ, and how He's demonstrated His love to you. And to know that He truly means it when He says, I am with you. We need people of the church to be unafraid and full of faith, not full of false confidence, but of a trust in Christ's abiding presence in our lives. We need to be able to be people that are courageous, unafraid. And I want you to be able to say with David, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Where's God when you're scared? Like the saints of the past, he's saying to you, I am with you. I'm with you. I'd like you, if you just stand with me right now, we're going to close, and, and I'd like us, Brian, if you could just bring up that verse from um, Isaiah 41.10. I just want this, us to say this together out loud. And these are the words of the Lord, Isaiah 41.10. Say this with me. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Dear God, I pray that you would strengthen us. Lord, that you'd reassure us of your presence like a shepherd with his sheep. Lord, I pray that we'd understand your love for us and how great it is. And with that love, you'd drive out any fears. Lord, that you'd replace fears with faith and trust in you and what you've said. And even in this verse that we have read right now and spoken out loud, that we'd trust those words. God, help us to be people of courage, people of faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.